0: Welcome back here on Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum and Nick Filato. We're coming at you with a roster update, some interesting news regarding a player transitioning positions, a former Super Bowl participant running back joining the Giants roster and then the giant killer pass rusher ryan kerrigan staying in the nfc east before we get to that discussion today folks make sure you hit that subscribe button and also head to bigblueview.com for more giants news and analysis so over the weekend we ended up having a headline an unexpected one that kelvin benjamin former panthers first round pick and wide receiver was working out with the Giants as a tight end. And as it just so happens, on Sunday, he was signed to the roster to be a tight end. So right now, Kelvin Benjamin is going to be competing for a roster spot despite having a long stretch of time in his career of inconsistency since that really, really good first year in the league out of Florida State. Since then, he only lasted two seasons with Carolina and then bounced around multiple squads inevitably not being on a roster for a few years. And now here he is returning under the wing of the man that drafted him, Dave Gettleman. Surprise, surprise. He wants the hog molly receiver, 6'5", 245, to play tight end. So, guys, this is not the first former other position that we've seen this week say that they're going to be playing tight end, but this is also not the first time we've seen this happen. Two of the examples that we can pull Logan Thomas Quarterback is now on the was on the Washington football team recently as a tight end, and then Darren Waller was a receiver uh, previously in the start of his career with the Ravens, moving to tight end and had a huge year last year with the Raiders. Do you guys think that the, there's a possibility you could have some Darren Waller type success with Kelvin Benjamin, or is that being a little bit too optimistic?
1: For me, I would say that's being a little bit too optimistic. But it's funny, guys. I've always said that. Kelvin Benjamin was a biscuit away from being a tight end and Dave Gettleman (laughs) brings him back and now he's a tight end baby. But I mean, I, I like bringing him on and as coach judge and everybody said they wanted to see how coachable he was. And if he, if he really still had the drive to be a professional football player after being out of football since 2018. And they said when they brought him into practice, he showed all those qualities. So why not take a, take a risk on him, you know, but you look at this tight end room. I mean, we already have a tight end who is more of a receiver who is a lot different than Kelvin Benjamin, a much better athlete than Kelvin Benjamin, but struggles with blocking and Evan Ingram. Then you have Kyle Rudolph, somebody I like in Caden Smith, Rice and John, who was an undrafted free agent out of Canada last year, who is a similar dimension, only much younger than a player like Kelvin Benjamin. I don't oppose them bringing him in by any means, but my expectations are low. And if he is able to bring anything to this squad, then I feel like that's just a huge win because we haven't seen Kelvin Benjamin put good football together. In quite a while when he went to Buffalo he ended up being like their number one receiver that year and it just didn't really work out I want to say that was Josh Allen's rookie or second season or rookie season I want to say it was back in 2018 and then we haven't seen him since and I think he was also traded or cut and he ended up on Kansas City later back in that same season so whatever he's able to provide the Giants this season is a is definitely a win but my expectations are not high
2: yeah I kind of come down in the same uh in the same boat as you do Nick. It Benjamin hasn't been on a football field since 2018. You know, it'll be a, almost 3 years really. You know, he wasn't in any of Kansas City's playoff games that year. Uh basically Buffalo cut Benjamin after 12 games in 2018, then Kansas City signed him, played him for another 3 games and then cut him. So, yeah, it's been a while since he's been on the football field. And, you know, I really do think that whatever the Giants can get out of him will be a win, even if that's just, you know, uh, a big tight end type guy to basically take reps while they wait for Rudolph to get back healthy. You know, I haven't seen where he is in his recovery following surgery. So maybe this is just a short term thing to get basically get through mandatory mini camp with a full roster and be able to run all of their you know all of their teams or this could also maybe be related to whatever plans they had if kyle pitts somehow fell to them you know coming from the other direction as you know a guy who was listed as a tight end, but could could or probably should play receiver. Like you said, uh, Calvin Benjamin is about a biscuit or a good size sandwich away from being a tight end coming out of Florida state. I think he was what, six, five, uh, 240 pounds at the combine. And I don't think he got any smaller. So, you know, he is a guy and Joe judge said this, that he's got that experience at wide receiver. He's got the size at least to line up at tight end. We don't know how he is as a blocker, but at the very least, he gives you that, that diversity and physical ability to try him in multiple areas. And if the giants want to run a lot of 12 or 13 personnel, they could use him or Evan Ingram as, you know, kind of a pseudo receiver while still having two or three tight ends on the field.
1: And I also remember too, when, when, uh, not to cut you off, Joe, but when yeah, no, you're good. He, when uh, he left Carolina, him and Cam Newton—I remember it was just—I don't know who started it, but there was some sort of contentious relationship between Kelvin Benjamin and I'm not sure if it was the Carolina Panthers per se, but definitely Cam Newton. So there was a lot of bad blood there. So I'm imagining when they brought him in, they wanted to suss out his personality, and make sure everything was squared away there. although even though they had. Uh, Dave Gettleman as their general manager, so they want to make sure that he buys into this program. But still, if he ends up making the fifty-three, I would be I would be pretty sure. I, I wouldn't I don't want to say I would be overly surprised, but I would be uh, I'd be surprised.
0: Well, well, there's that story of when Kelvin Benjamin, as you said, he was he was there when Josh Allen first got into the league, and there's that story of him asking to run extra routes during a period of time, and Kelvin Benjamin just straight up told him no, which is. Absurd to hear from an NFL player, a veteran who's been in the league, being asked by a rookie to do that and being told... No, in that circumstance that's almost never heard of and anybody who frankly turns down something like that that doesn't want to put in the extra work is automatically a character concern I think for all 32 head coaches any assistant coach any general manager you got to be wondering what well, what's so difficult about running some extra reps to help work with our rookie quarterback so that's something that's going to be looming over him of course Dave Gettleman is the one who provides him this shot because of that pre-established relationship. He's probably thinking to himself, I, I drafted this guy. I want to see him succeed at some point. Uh, he reached out to me. Or maybe his agent reached out to him. I'm sure that that was part of the how this process went through. Um, but it, he was probably willing to give him that opportunity because of that. And the thing that we hear or we heard constantly with the whole Tebow signing, these are not directly similar, but they are kind of related. But the thing that we constantly heard is low risk, high upside. I think that in this circumstance, that is a little bit more applicable, if not a lot more applicable. You couldn't really, you can't really say that about Tebow because the chance of him hitting and actually being a, a consistent offensive weapon on that roster is pretty low because of how long he's been out of football, his unwillingness to move to tight end originally. But here, Kelvin Benjamin was basically a, a massive receiver when he was successful, when he was good, and then he started to get a little bit too big when he was with the Panthers towards his end of his time with the Panthers. Now he's taking full responsibility for being way too girthy. He's going to be playing tight end, and if any of those uh, those uh, capabilities to make contested catches, those one-on-one situations where he, we saw him succeed, if any of that hits as him as a tight end, and if he still has some of that burst in speed he had early on in his career – Yeah, I think that's where the the high upside comes from. And the the risk is low because you're not really paying him a ton of money. You just have to hope if you keep him on the roster, he makes the roster at the end of training camp. Hopefully there isn't a little bit of uh, um, influence from Dave Gettleman in this because he drafted the guy. But if he ends up sticking around, you hope that his character concerns have gone away
1: yeah and that's what you would definitely hope that he would have fully bought in and i would imagine that joe judge would not allow him on the roster if he wasn't fully bought in but man that's a hard transition to go from wide receiver to tight end and you need the frame to do it and kelvin benjamin he's a really really big individual but i don't know if he has the necessary frame to really hold up at the point of attack against athletes who are much more athletic than he is also coming forward with momentum in the modern day edge rusher (laughs) i mean those guys are absolutely freaks in nature with what they could do with their bodies so that would be a lot to ask of him to be able to block. And I think that's a foundational staple that the Giants want in most of their tight ends. Kaden Smith, Levine Toy Lolo, Evan Ingram. I think he's, he's developed that trait, but it has not been as consistent as it has to be for, in order for this offense to really operate. And then Kyle Rudolph should be a sufficient enough blocker. But I, I'm a little dubious to, to think that Kelvin Benjamin is going to be able to step in and execute that part of Jason Garrett's offense.
2: Yeah, I think that does kind of get back to the potential Darren Waller comparison where, you know, he wasn't really known as a blocker last year. He had that great season and it was as a pass catcher and the, the kind of unique physical traits of a good hybrid tight end does make them very difficult to, or I should say for a defense to deal with, you know, especially attacking those seams, attacking vertically at, you know at, and attacking particularly where zone defenders are or can't be or creating uh responsibility conflicts so that could be some of what the giants are thinking other than you know let's just give this guy a chance and maybe we could get something like what he did in 2014 as a rookie with you know 70, 73 catches a thousand and eight yards and nine touchdowns or his Second full year, uh, he tore his ACL in 2015, just before the season started. So his second year on the field in 2016, had 63 receptions, 941 yards, and seven touchdowns. So the ability, at least was there, to be an impact player. Whether or not it still is, that's something we're just going to have to wait and find out.
0: The other signing that the Giants made after a workout was veteran running back, formerly with NFC East rival, Philadelphia Eagles, Corey Clement, part of that Super Bowl-winning team. He had a decent-sized role. Not really a guy who has been highly productive throughout his career. Not going to be, and at least Benjamin in this circumstance, has some stats to go off of that were very, very good early on. But Clement has always been a 300, 200-yard guy in his two best seasons more of a receiver for as we've seen but guys why do you think this 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 Corey Clement signing happened when it did and do we think he's going to stick based on the Giants current running back situation on the roster
1: I, I would say that he has a chance to stick Corey Clement, because he's somebody who has played significant snaps on special teams, just under 800 throughout his career. And that was basically his role with the Philadelphia Eagles. Like you said, he has some stats where he was able to step in and have, uh, what was it, 2018, 68 rushes, 259 yards, two touchdowns. His rookie season in 2017, 74 rushes, 321 yards, four touchdowns. It was also used. a receiver a little check down option just a fun little player who had solid explosive ability and could pass protect if you asked him to do so so he has like a a well-rounded skill set i wouldn't say he's overly dynamic at one specific thing but he actually had a really good super bowl game i want to say he had a touchdown catch if i'm not mistaken over eric rowe but uh someone could check me on that to be honest but i'm pretty sure Adding him is just, you look at this running back room, you know, Saquon Barkley has had health issues. You draft Gary Brightwell, who's another one who could be a special teams player. And then you have Devonta, devonte Booker. It, it's not necessarily deep. So why not bring a local kid? He's from Glassbury, New Jersey. He's still only 26 years old. He's not north of 30, like Kelvin Benjamin. Why not give him a tryout? He's has the size that the giants seem to covet at that running back position at five foot 10, 220 pounds. And he's built like a rock. So I saw Corey Clement at the senior bowl and When you go down to the Senior Bowl, it's basically like the Underwear Olympics. It's 7 o'clock in the morning when the entire NFL world congregates in this hotel, and we all watch these guys walk up in their underwear, and you hear people just ooh and ah when somebody just basically wins this, this event when they walk up there, and it's just... Like, wow, that guy is incredibly ripped. That was Corey Clement. Like the guy was in fantastic and phenomenal shape. And uh, I'm sure that he probably still is. And he, I think he has more of a chance to to do something this year, but it would be more as a special teamer, unless, Saquon Barkley and all those things were to end up getting injured. I'm not 100% certain if he's, he, I mean, he's definitely not a lock to make the team, but I would, uh, I would say I'm more intrigued by that than, than Kelvin Benjamin.
2: I would go so far as to say you can, yeah, you know, maybe erasable ink, but you can put them on the roster in, in ink because I I really think the Giants kind of looked around their running back depth chart after the draft and you know you've got Sandro Platts Gummer uh, Elijah Penny at fullback uh, Taquan Mizzell uh, Gary Brightwell the rookie and then Barkley and Booker the two guys that you know at the top and that isn't a really inspiring depth chart if something happens to either Barkley or Booker and you know we just had a season actually we we've had you know two seasons now where Barkley has sustained fairly significant injuries so that is a position with some known attrition so you you need some depth you can rely I mean exactly how many games did the Giants win last year if Wayne Gallman isn't able to step up I can absolutely see Clement making the team as a special teamer and a guy that th- they don't feel terrible about if he has to step on the field and have more than a couple carries.
0: Right. I, I think in line with what you're saying, Chris, is very, very fair. The, the current options aren't great. I wouldn't necessarily guarantee it, which is why I like how you referenced the invisible ink there. But what they're probably were looking at was what happened to them last year which was uh, a circumstance in Alfred Morris stepping up and receiving more carries than he probably should have. And he somehow had some success in some big runs, which was disturbing to see Alfred Morris do. In this circumstance, I think that Corey Clement's going to provide a little bit more juice than (laughs) than Alfred Morris over the age of 30 um, and after being on multiple teams. They just probably want a tertiary option if Corey Clement can prove that he can be that tertiary option. On top of that, if Deion Lewis could have stuck on the roster the whole season as the third running back, and he also could barely move, I think that Corey Clement's chances are not a guarantee, but pretty, pretty good if he can outperform Gary Brightwell and some of those other non-notable non-nota- uh, names that you mentioned, Chris. They just want options, and I think this provides an option, a guy that has been a consistent receiver, a different skill set from Devontae Booker and from Saquon B- Barkley. But as you mentioned, Nick, specifically, I think the special teams, too, is going to be really, really big for Clement, um, guaranteeing and improving his chances of making this roster.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Special teams, I mean, that's like the unsexy thing to bring up a lot of the times when you're talking about the roster. on this podcast would- it's
2: not. <laughs> <laughs> no, not in this
1: podcast not on any podcast that has me because I'm telling you, NFL coaches and just coaches in general, they think about that. They want, their job is to maximize every roster spot. And they're not going to have somebody who doesn't participate in special teams if they're not elite at whatever else they're doing. They, special teams is, is paramount in a lot of things because it's that third phase of the game that not a lot of fans talk about, but it's incredibly important to NFL teams.
0: So to wrap up today's show, we're going to talk about Ryan Kerrigan switching teams to the Philadelphia Eagles. Before we do so, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Wrapping up today, folks, we have uh, an interesting headline that happened on Monday. Ryan Kerrigan, a pass rusher that terrorized the New York Giants throughout his whole career with Washington, is now going to stay in the NFC East. Playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I find it so funny a guy who has been so troublesome for the Giants throughout his career is going to still be able to provide a little bit more terror for this Eagles pass rush. But guys, I think that we can all agree here that Ryan Kerrigan, the point he's at in his career, while he's still better than most pass rushers in the league, he's not really uh, most older pass rushers let me rephrase in the league he's still not really going to be in the elite dynamic guy that he was previously and honestly i don't even think that this might even provide uh the impact for this eagles pass rush that some might assume assume it does yeah neither do i necessarily and i'm you're not going to find many bigger ryan kerrigan fans than me to be
1: honest because uh when i for patty train and giants country sports illustrated last year i had to come up with a uh the decade underrated team. And one of the first players that came into my mind was Ryan Kerrigan, who was drafted in 2011, first round out of Purdue. And I swear, every time he plays the Giants, I think he can make the Hall of Fame just off the stats that he's accumulated against the New York Giants. It seems like he's always sacking Eli Manning or what whoever the Giants quarterback is that year. And he, look, he has just... South of 100 career sacks. This guy is an elite pass rusher. He was never that great as a run blocker, though. But he, throughout his career, was one of those top-notch pass rushers that no one really talked about all that often. Now he just goes to the Philadelphia. He's going to be a situational pass rusher for them, working on third downs, try to still terrorize the New York Giants. But he's not, at this point, going to be 33 years old, going to be a huge impact difference maker for that defense, unless it's against the New York Giants.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that almost goes without saying anymore. But I'm right there with you with Kerrigan for the the breadth of his career being just terribly underrated. He, even back in that first round of 2011, it was, there was kind of a sense of, you know, who is this guy when Washington took him and he just turned into probably, well, maybe not the most, but one of the most consistent pass rushers. Oh, in the, in the entire NFL over that period. I mean, you know, starting in 2011, seven and a half sacks, eight and a half, eight and a half, 13 and a half, nine and a half, 11, 13 sacks, 13 sacks. That brings us up to 2019, which is the first year he missed a game and five and a half sacks. And then last year, five and a half sacks. So yes, he's trailed off, but you know, maybe as a situational pass rusher he could still have an impact obviously you're good, if he's going to just beyond and you know second and forever or third and forever that will put him in good position to use his skills and at this point it really is more uh technique and just veteran savvy than raw athletic ability but that's always been kind of a big feature in his game he was a good athlete but, you know, always a guy who's like easy to forget about until your quarterback was laying on the ground.
0: Now, I think an interesting question now to ask ourselves, and I, I think this is a good way to end the show. It turned itself into a little bit of a, a, a hot topic today for, for whatever reason, because the guy didn't retire. He's just signing to play for another team. I saw circulating a little bit people saying, oh, is, is Ryan Kerrigan a Hall of Famer? And you guys kind of touched on various pieces why you think he's so underrated. Where do you guys sit on that? Do you think that he is a Hall of Famer based on what he's done in his career? And you just highlighted a ton of great stuff that he did, Chris. I think it's an interesting conversation. I think he's one of those underrated guys. But ultimately, and
1: I don't have a list in front of me. Of I want to see who like the, the, the player who has around the same sack totals as him, who is in the Hall of Fame with this much of a career because uh, what he started in 2011 it's 2021. He's still in the league now with the second team. So I am i can't say definitely, especially since he wasn't really a dominant player uh, through the, the media's side. No one really talked about him all that often. He was just a consistent player, wasn't really a rundown player, more of a pass rusher. But when you have, what, four seasons of double digit sacks, another season of nine and a half, two other seasons of eight and a half. I mean, that's that's a definitely a good starting point, but I would need the list in front of me to see if, to who I can compare it to.
2: Well, right now, I, I think the comparison might be JPP. JPP came in in 2010, and you know, he has had some seasons cut short by injury, but right now he's sitting at 89 sacks, so six and a half sacks behind Ryan Kerrigan with a year more. But he also does have those two Super Bowl rings. So mm-hmm. is Jason Pierre-Paul a Hall of Famer? I, my gut is if you have to stop and think about it, they're probably not Hall of Fame. I would say Kerrigan and J.P. Pierre-Paul are po- probably both Hall of really good. And that's not terrible
1: because I, I, I'll probably get some hate
2: mail for this, but I might even put Justin Tuck there as well.
1: I think it's interesting. I just pulled up the list. Uh, Jason Pierre, Paul, yeah, you're right. He has 89. And then when you look at where, where Ryan Kerrigan is, he's around Chandler Jones. He's around Justin Houston. He's around Cam Wake. Now, some of those guys' career had been a bit longer. Elvis doomerville's up at 105 and a half. You got guys like Simeon Rice. That's the top 20. He's at 122. So when you're talking about sack numbers, he still has some ways to go, but that's still incredibly impressive, the amount of sacks that Ryan Kerrigan was able to get. So I think that conversation is interesting, but ultimately, and I have some, I have kind of stricter stan- standards, I feel like, and I don't vote, obviously, uh, on this, but I have stricter standards than some others when it comes to getting into the Hall of Fame. I don't know if uh, – I don't know how- – If you'll get in, like you look at Howie Long, Howie Long only had 84 sacks, but that was in a totally different era. He was in from 81 to 93. So that's a nice 12 year career there, but it's a different era. So it it would be, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation to be honest. There's a lot of guys though, around, around Ryan Kerrigan right now who are still currently in the league. So I'm wondering how many of those guys will continue to get that number and maybe crack the triple digits
0: yeah definitely an interesting conversation and there's a lot of guys from that era that are going to play into that discussion and there might be too many names too many heads in that in that conversation for him to possibly end up in the hall of fame but always has been a guy that has been a problem for the new york giants and he'll get one more crack potentially at being a problem for the giants this upcoming season folks thanks for tuning in be sure to hit that subscribe button leave us a five-star review And head to bigblueview.com for more fantastic New York Giants content. We'll talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day.